Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Becoming a parent is a huge step for many. Does anyone know how they're going to cope as a parent? I don't know. It's going to be interesting. You might be preparing for sleepless nights and 2 a.m. feeds, but what will the financial impact be like? I have absolutely no idea what you actually need and how much those things will cost. Fortunately, our guest this week is one of life's planners. We're just really thinking about the implications of pregnancy, maternity leave on our future finances. And she's come to the right place. Welcome to Money Clinic, the weekly podcast from the Financial Times dedicated to tackling real-life financial issues. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's Consumer Editor. This week, we're looking at the finances of starting a family with a listener we'll call Jenny. She is a primary school teacher who reached out to me on Instagram. So I'm 32. I've been with my partner now for just over 10 years. Together, they're looking to take the plunge into the next phase of their relationship. We've always said that we would have children in the future, and it's always been in the future, and then suddenly it's the future. But first on their to-do list, even before getting pregnant, buying a family home. We've got a little pot of money we've saved to buy a house and to get set up, really, for family life. Jenny and her partner met at uni. Having lived with friends in London for a few years, they decided at the beginning of lockdown to move in with his parents in the Midlands. That way, they could help boost their savings for a property deposit. I would say up until this year, we were completely on different pages. I was definitely the saver and he was definitely the spender. But this year, we've, we both need to get on the same page now to make decisions together. So has getting on the same page, as Jenny puts it, improved their savings? Well... Yes, we have, as of this month, 80,000. Eight zero. Eight zero. yeah. Wow, you should be presenting this podcast, Jenny. <laughs> that's, re- that's really impressive. I mean, that's a serious amount of money to have saved up as a young couple, particularly if one of you, as you say, only got the savings bug fairly recently. Yeah, we've made quite a few sacrifices along the way. So we've worked hard, I suppose, to to make sure that we had this pot of money for when we wanted to have a family. With tens of thousands saved, the extended holiday on property taxes in England means the couple are on the lookout for their first home. 
So we're looking for a three-bedroom semi-detached in a location of good catchment areas and then close enough to my mom that she could support with childcare. Once that's in the bag, they'll have to start thinking about what their lives will look like with a baby under the roof too. The absolute dream scenario would be that we'd both be able to work part-time, but I know that that's not going to be possible. So an achievable dream would be that we can afford comfortably a nice home in a good area, be able to go on a, on a foreign holiday, ideally once a year, and have money left over at the end of the month. How does it make you feel when it comes to having your own children? I mean, do you think it's important to have a lot of money to, to have children, to spend on them, to indulge them? I think it's important to be able to provide opportunities. And so we've already started to talk about how um, it like even now, like long term, we want to be able to save. So we have a pot of money to be able to support even hypothetical children in the future. So I think those things are important, but I don't think like mountains of presents and like 20 pairs of shoes. That's not how I see indulgence. I suppose I see indulgence as like time and experiences. Sounds to me like Jenny has the right idea. But how does she feel about buying all the essential equipment they'll need for the new baby? We're in a lucky position in that we have siblings who have children. So hopefully we'll get some hand-me-downs. But I have absolutely no idea what you actually need and how much those things will cost. I'm not one that needs all the best designer things or like 100 million stuffed animals. Yeah, so I think knowing what like a sensible budget would be for the necessities would be really helpful because I have absolutely no idea. So I sense that you're quite a thrifty person, Jenny. When you were growing up, what instilled this sense of financial prudence into you? Growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. So I'm in a much better financial position now than my parents were when they had us. So I suppose those values of don't spend more than you have, not to be in credit and to to be careful with your money has always been there from that. These early financial lessons have put Jenny streets ahead of most in terms of thinking about how she can afford the life she wants for her family. And she's still a year away from even starting to try for a baby. Looking ahead, one thing the couple are unsure about is how to structure parental leave. It's something that she and her partner are keen to share. He said that his dream would be to be a stay-at-home dad, but I don't think our finances would stretch stretch that far. So that's why we really want to think about like shared parental leave as well and thinking about how that might help that first year. But she wonders, how would that actually work? What are our rights and what does an employer need to provide? And is that different employer to employer? And is it impacted by my job? I don't I have no idea. I suppose it's a complete unknown to me. Jenny is the higher earner and she's aware that however they structured the arrangements, parental leave will mean surviving on less income. So thinking about a realistic estimate on what we need to save for that year of maternity leave where we don't have a full income. And then there's the big expense Jenny and her partner will face when they do go back to work, 
even with the offer of help from the soon-to-be grandparents. What are the costs of childcare and how will that impact how much income we have every month? Well, many couples haven't got a clue what to expect financially when they're expecting. It's perhaps reassuring to anyone listening that even Jenny, who is incredibly well organised, feels in the dark about a lot of it. Our first expert is Toby Asari, the founder of a brilliant blog called My Bump Pay, which she started after the birth of her first child. From my first kind of journey, really, we spent a lot of money getting ready. But actually, the second time round, I realised just how little you really need. Her aim was to write about all the financial pitfalls of having a baby that she wished she had known about before the moment of conception. I set up my bump pay really to help women on that journey, right from the moment that you're thinking about having a baby, right through to the moment that you have the child and you're kind of grappling with what that means in your career and kind of the wider scheme of life. I first met Toby at an online event where she described the spending frenzy before her first child was born. When I say going absolutely crazy, that includes things like maybe doing a maternity shoot and, you know, maybe getting a night nanny. Toby is now the proud and financially savvy mother of two children. Her baby gear spending has become so finely tuned, she has created one of my favourite things. Yes, a spreadsheet. I've kind of listed almost every single cost that you probably will need during that first year of your child's life. And I've prioritised it in terms of one, two, three. So one is the essentials. Twos are the nice-to-haves, and you probably might need them a little bit later on. And threes are the absolute luxuries. So what would be on the essentials list? Obviously a travel system, a buggy, a car seat, a crib, somewhere for the baby to sleep within those first couple of months. And that all tots up to? Around £1,800. However, I do believe now, having gone through this journey twice, you could slash that probably by half, even more so, if you are willing to take things from maybe friends or siblings or there's some incredible platforms out there. You can find some brilliant baby goods in really good condition. Even when things like nappies, I've kind of learned the hard way now that supermarket nappies are actually just as good as the, the brands that we're all probably very familiar with. You can find links to Toby's spreadsheet in the show notes. I think buying secondhand and getting hand-me-downs is a great tip. But there is one thing that Toby says you shouldn't scrimp on. The only thing I would recommend to buy brand new ideally is the car seat because you want that reassurance that that car seat hasn't been in an accident and is in good condition and therefore safe. Toby's keen to stress that new parents shouldn't just think about buying things, they should also think about selling them on for cash. Throughout my first maternity leave when I cottoned on, actually, I'm only using this for about three to four months and now it's sitting here gathering dust and I could use the, the extra income. Um, absolutely, get on, on eBay, get on Facebook Marketplace because these children sometimes only use things for a particular period of time. And what's the most important thing is that obviously that baby is loved. It's not, you know, which brand of bouncer it's sitting in for five minutes. So once the baby bouncers and buggies have been bought, sold on and found their way into new homes, it's time to think about other outgoings. One of the biggest and often crippling expenses for new parents is childcare. This is where our second expert, Micah Curry, comes in. We used to be colleagues on the Investors Chronicle years ago. Now she's an investment director at Fidelity International, and mum to two adorable daughters. Micah knows firsthand how hard it can be to find time for financial planning once a baby comes along. 
The thing is, though, that you're so caught up in the emotional and physical shock of having a baby that the chances are the financial impact is probably the last thing on your mind. Like me, she's impressed by Jenny's desire to plan ahead, and she thinks this forward planning can come in useful when thinking about childcare costs. Call the nurseries, make an appointment, even if you haven't conceived yet, go and have a visit, see if you're comfortable with the setting, the staff, the distance, the commute from home, and then of course, ask for a copy of their fees. Compare the costs of different nurseries and you could go to childcare.co.uk and explore child miners in your area and their costs. Square up those costs, square up the convenience and of course, what arrangement you are most comfortable with. We'll hear more from Micah in a minute. But first, back to Toby, who has a warning about the hidden costs of childcare. There may be a fee to register your interest. So that's typically maybe to put your name on some form of waiting list. And then on top of that, some childcare establishments or nurseries, again, may require you to pay a deposit once your place is confirmed. And again, I've seen that deposit vary wildly in and around London, where I'm based. So I've seen it range from, you know, £60, again, to a whole month's fees, which to me is so expensive, especially because you'll probably be thinking about childcare or paying that deposit at the point of which you're probably on zero income. There is some help available for UK parents, the government's tax-free childcare account. There's a link in the show notes to check if you're eligible for this. It's up to £2,000 per year per child. So it does go some way to definitely help. And then once you get over the two-year-old mark, um, then you start to look into free hours of childcare, which is an incredible help for anyone who's kind of considering childcare for children over three. And what about that offer of help from grandparents? Jenny's new home will be close to both her and her partner's parents, and they've indicated they'd be keen to help. That could save them a packet. But Micah warns these arrangements can often end in tears. Grandparents offering help is, of course, very welcome and cost effective. But I always tell people to think very carefully. Does that offer really translate to every week, eight hours a day? Toddlers are very demanding. And can your parents really cope with the physical exhaustion that's required to keep the little ones stimulated? So think very carefully about how you would structure that, what the expectations are, have a very open and honest conversation. Micah says it could be a wiser move to save up that valuable assistance from grandparents. Also bear in mind that if you are returning to work, you will be knackered on the weekends, you know, from working, from looking after your little one, from waking up at night. And I would really take up the grandparents' offer for a few extra hours of sleep on a weekend. Prams, cots, childminders, pregnancy shoots. I think that's most of our baby outgoings covered. But what about the money that's coming in? New parents might be prepared for sleepless nights, but few are prepared for the income shock of parental leave. And unfortunately, not all countries are like Sweden, where each parent can take up to a whopping 240 days of paid leave. In the US, a number of states, including California and New York, offer new parents some form of statutory paid leave. But for most of the US, what you'll get depends on your employer's policy. And here in the UK, parental leave also differs by employer. 
back to Toby to explain how UK statutory maternity pay works for employees. Typically, you have to be employed within a company for around six months time to be eligible for what they would call statutory pay. The way that it works is that for the first six weeks of your maternity pay, you will be eligible to be paid what they call 90% of your average weekly salary. After that first six weeks, then comes a bit of a shock. (laughs) You are then typically going to receive either £151.20 per week, or again, that 90% of your average weekly pay, whichever is lower of those two amounts. That weekly amount changes every year, but usually not substantially. Basically, that amount runs for nine months. And then after that nine months period of time, there is effectively no money coming in. If you're self-employed in the UK, there's a very similar benefit you can claim called maternity allowance. If you're an employee, on the other hand, on top of statutory pay, many workers will be eligible for additional payments. But these vary depending on your workplace and employment contract. You do have to kind of look into your contract. And in some places, it's not necessarily in the contract, it's in the handbook. It can be quite a bit of an awkward conversation, I find. A good way to phrase it could be, it'd be great to know what all your paid leave policies are. And that would include anything around annual leave, sick leave, any additional parental leave and things like that. Once you know the numbers, Toby has another spreadsheet to forecast how your income will change before baby arrives so you can budget accordingly. That's also in the show notes. Now, when it comes to parental leave, you'll find the most forward-thinking companies make it available to either parent, regardless of gender. It's also possible for eligible couples to share parental leave thanks to a UK government policy change in 2015. Statistics show few couples are actually doing so, but Micah and her partner did when they had their children. I always argue that shared parental leave is probably the best way to reduce that opportunity cost of having children. Now, it is fair to say that shared parental leave won't be right for everyone. It depends on what your company is offering, what your situation is, what your partner's situation is. But even if they only qualify for statutory paternity pay, it's worth it because it's not just about sharing the financial load, it's also about sharing the responsibility and the emotional impact of sharing that with your partner really is is the biggest benefit. What Micah calls the opportunity cost to women, or indeed to any parent who reduces their working hours after having a child, can have a far-reaching financial impact. For many women, the cost of having a child might be the biggest financial blow that they could face in their lifetimes. It's also often referred to as the motherhood penalty. What it means in terms of your pay packet, you know, if you're going part-time, what it means for your long-term pension contributions, and also what it means for your long-term chances of a promotion. One of the biggest unseen financial penalties is the impact having a baby could have on your pension savings. If you are planning on taking a career break or changing your working pattern, you need to check your pension plan. So check with your employer, if you are in formal employment, that your pension contributions are being paid while you're on maternity leave and whether this is just for the statutory time period or longer. Micah warns of the false savings of halting your pension contributions altogether. 
If you are on reduced pay when you're on maternity leave, it can be very tempting to claw back every penny by stopping your pension contributions. But think very carefully before you do that. If you stop paying into a pension, you'll be treated as a lever. And while you'll keep the benefits and your pension part that you've already accrued, you'll get less when you come to retire. Reducing your hours will reduce that nest egg. Also remember that if you choose to return to work part-time, you can continue to pay into your workplace pension scheme, but your contributions will be smaller because of the decrease in salary. Micah's last tip for UK listeners, make sure you register for child benefit. If one of you earns more than £60,000 a year, you won't be entitled to receive a cash payout, but you must still register online to get the state pension credits you're entitled to. It's estimated that over one million parents have lost out. Make sure you're not one of them. Even if you are not intending to claim child benefit, make sure you still fill out the form because that'll help you clock up those national insurance contributions that you need to build your state pension. Both of my experts had plenty of lessons for money-savvy school teacher Jenny. So what did she make of her masterclass with Micah and Toby? I think there's lots of food for thought, but also it's great to see that there's lots of help out there. We've covered quite a lot of ground in the podcast, but what do you think is going to be the first thing that you tell your partner about this evening? Oh, I made a list. I think the first thing would be about reducing the opportunity cost. We've had lots of conversations about equality and, you know, household chores and things like that. But I don't know if we've actually spoken about the impact that having a child will have on my career. And so I think that's definitely where I want to start the conversation. Had it occurred to you that having a baby could affect your retirement? I hadn't really considered it. Even just thinking about my pension now is such a new thing. So, yeah, that's that's definitely something to think about, especially about claiming child benefit for the national insurance credits. I think I'll be telling lots of people about that because I know like quite a few friends who didn't think that they would be eligible for child benefit because of their earnings. Jenny, we know that you love planning ahead and the experts and I absolutely salute you for it. But what do you think about Toby's idea of using spreadsheets to map out the potential costs? I'm all for it. So I'm going to go onto her website, download her resources and use them as a start. Definitely. Especially coming from someone that has a lot of experience. Like when I was approaching it, I literally have no idea what would be required, like bottles, nappies. And also thinking about what you might be able to get secondhand. Absolutely. And I think it's so true and what you're saying that babies only use things for a few months and then they grow out of it. I've had lots of friends already that say that their baby only went into the Moses basket for like two weeks. So <laughs> I think that's a definite thing to think about. And also, I mean, just hearing Toby say that statutory maternity pay is £151 per week after the first six weeks. I mean, can you imagine living on £151 per week? We've looked at what our core costs are and we wouldn't be able to survive with either of our salaries down to that point. So that's what we'll have to think about saving in advance for, because I don't think we would even be able to cover like projected mortgage and bills and food and things like that, essentials for that period on statutory. It's such a 
a small amount, really. And now when it comes to childcare, Micah gave you lots of things to think about in terms of the costs and also the kind of transactional costs, I suppose you could say, of using grandparents to provide childcare. What did you think of those views? I thought it was so like interesting to say save up the the grandparent goodwill for the weekends but I think that's something to really bear in mind especially when if we're thinking about my parents generation being caught between you know already caring for their parents and then adding an additional burden and obviously it would be joyful and I wouldn't want to take that away but I think it's really important to think about looking after their well-being as well. That's it for Money Clinic with me, Claire Barrett, this week, and we hope you like what you've heard. If you do, spread the word and leave us a review. If you would like to chat with me on a future episode of the show and get some expert thoughts on a money issue that's bugging you, then email me. Our address is money at ft.com. You could also take a peek at our website, ft.com money, grab a copy of the FT Weekend newspaper, or follow me on Instagram at Claire B. Money Clinic was produced in London by Josh Delamere and Persis Love. Our sound engineer is Breen Turner and our editor is Amy Keane. And the original music is by Metaphor Music. And finally, just so you know, the Money Clinic podcast is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to find an independent financial advisor. That's the small print over and done with. See you back here next week. Goodbye. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.